Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever it is that you're listening from, whatever time it is, where you're listening from. Thanks for listening, and we're back for another episode of DWMOD. It's Disagree With Me or Don't. As always, I'm your host, Mikey Wilson. Going to cover a few things on the show this week. Number one, we're going to talk about that fumble and touchback play in the Kansas City and uh, Cleveland Browns divisional game. Number two, we're going to talk about the push from all major sports right now to go offense, offense, offense. We're going to talk about the targeting calls and football and how the NFL needs to fix this thing and get it right. And we're going to bring you up to speed on where the standings are in our Pick'em Challenge with Andy St. Clair and Anthony Finelli. Uh, this thing's heating up quicker than a junkie spoon. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> I'm Mikey Wilson and this is DWMOD. Yeah. Touchdown. Michael Jordan is a baby and a liar. Down! Hut! 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 Isaiah Thomas deserved to be on the Dream Team, and Jordan kept him off. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid Super Bowl! Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! Quinn and Patricia are in job-saving mode. They're going to get fired this year for it, and we're screwed. Again. Down! Jim Harbaugh is supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. He can't develop any of the four and five star guys he's brought in. I don't get it. They're not going to put sweet Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame. Please, baseball writers of America. What a bunch of old white assholes. The greatest professional wrestler ever. The macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah, because the cream of the crop will always rise to the top. Yeah. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Yes, it does. And I got a feeling there's going to be a, a lot more disagree this weekend than there is don't. Because we're going to get into some topics that are pretty touchy with some people. We're going to get into the targeting thing. Uh, you guys have heard me on the show before. You know where I stand on a lot of this stuff. But we're going to get a lot more in depth with it this week because the NFL has botched this thing up from the beginning. You know, it's, it's another one of these rules for them where they don't know how to govern it. It's clear the officials in the league don't know how to call it, and it leads to so much gray area. And every time you're watching a game, you know, if it's your team, you're pissed off, it's a bad call. If it's the other team, you're screaming for a targeting if you're one of these uh, official crybabies, which a lot of people are now because that's the way sports has turned. Sports has turned itself to crying for calls instead of trying to play the game. But that's not my point on this one. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where fans on both sides of the aisle are bitching that they got screwed on a targeting call because we don't know what it is because we just don't know what it is and they don't know how to call it. And we're going to get into that because uh, when Sorensen, uh, you know, he, he dives in and, and gives a helmet to helmet to Higgins from Cleveland right at the goal line, divisional playoff game, Kansas City, Cleveland. You all saw the play. Higgins catches the ball. It's a crucial moment in the game. If the Browns score there, this thing is a, a different ball game for sure. They, they might win the game. And Higgins is diving for the pylon. Sorensen comes flying in. He launches. He's head first. It's clear helmet to helmet there. And the ball is knocked loose and fumbles out of the back of the end zone for a touchback. Now, I know a lot of people want to bitch and complain about this touchback rule. Okay? This has gotten more heat than the targeting call or targeting non-call or what actually happened at the goal line there that is a far more common play than a touchback. 
you know, and I'm not saying we shouldn't look at this touchback thing because it's rarely ever happens. It does rarely happen. And matter of fact, that's why the NFL rules commission, when their feet were put to the flame this week as to why this rule hasn't been looked at in years, that was their answer is it just doesn't happen enough for us to warrant discussing it on the floor for a rule change at this point. There's bigger fish to fry and these meetings take forever. Okay. I mean, that's a terrible answer, but it's honest. I'll give them that. You rarely get that from the NFL, but that's not my point. My point is a lot of people think it's a terrible rule. A lot of people are bitching about the rule and they don't have any answers or ideas as to what the rule should be. There's no suggestions from anybody on how to fix this thing. And quite frankly, I don't really care. I'm not going to dive deep into trying to fix the touchback rule because to me, I mean, honestly, shit, it's the only rule left that benefits the defense. I mean, it's the one and only rule left that benefits a defensive play and awards the defense for anything anymore. So I I don't care. I don't care about that. I'm far more concerned with this targeting issue, and we're going to get to that. We are going to get to breaking that down and discussing that, but before we can fully understand where I'm coming from on that moment, on that play in that game, and where that rule is at with the NFL right now, we got to start with talking about how all major sports have a major push right now on offense. And it's been happening for years. There's been this major push in all these major sports to create more offense. Because somewhere, the powers that be that run these leagues have it in their head that the fans want more scoring, more scoring, more scoring, more scoring. And that's not the case. And it's not helping. It's not helping. And I'm going to throw some things at you right here to back up my claims. But first, let's try to understand where this push really comes from. Okay? This push really comes from... The league, they hire all these leagues, NBA, we're going to focus on NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL, okay? I'm not going to dive too deep into hockey because it really is a regional sport, and it's a quagmire in and of itself, and it's got its own issues. I could go crazy on hockey. I love hockey. I know Detroit loves hockey, but it's regional. We're going to focus on the three major sports outside of hockey, okay? NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL. Now, understand that these leagues... They go to these outside consulting firms, and basically what they're trying to figure out from these firms is, how do I get a bigger audience? How do I grab more eyeballs? And the whole reason for that is all the money in these sports now, is it's coming in from the TV contracts. So it's a very simple formula. I need more viewers so that I can prove that the ads during my sports are worth more money to the network, and then I can fleece the network for a better deal for my league. And the owners are all in on it too, because a lot of these sports now, there's revenue sharing, and they get a giant chunk of that money, and they're making a lot more money off of those deals than they are, especially in the NFL, probably, from their own home games. You got eight of them, you know what I mean? So that money's ruling the game. So they're trying to tell these leagues, these consultant firms, whoever they are, how to grab more eyeballs. And it seems to be the consistent message is, more offense, more offense, more offense. If you have more scoring, more scoring, more scoring, more that's more excitement. And then people are going to watch more. And the bottom line is you got people that aren't sports people preaching to you from a business aspect of eyeballs. And they don't know what they're doing to your game. But the bigger point is it's not working. These temporary eyeballs that they grab to try to boost the ratings, these people aren't fans that stick around. It's temporary. You might grab a few eyeballs, and then eventually that guy who didn't really watch football, who was sucked in on something, gets bored with it because it's not his thing. You know, it's typical of what 
is going on all around us. I mean, in politics, every everything in the it's it's typical to ignoring your your base to reach out to a few people because you want to try to grow your audience. Your base is your audience, man. Your fans that love the game are your audience. These are the people that come back week after week after week and will watch and will sit down on a Tuesday night on ESPN and watch a baseball game between, you know, the Marlins and the Kansas City Royals. These are your fans. These are the people that you should be worried about keeping eyeballs on the screen. And guess what? These people are losing interest because you're destroying the game they like to watch. And the proof is in the pudding. Ratings are down for the NBA, Major League Baseball, and even the NFL this year. And this is a COVID year, guys. This is lockdown. We're all locked up in the house. Nothing to do but watch TV. You're not supposed to be going anywhere. I mean, you understand the concept there. We're locked down in the house. Nothing to do but watch TV. And if you love sports, you're going to throw on anything, right? Why are ratings down? Because this major push for offense has destroyed the games. It has destroyed the games and made them boring to sports fans. Yes, too much scoring is boring. Coin it. Put it on a coffee cup. Put it on a t-shirt. Too much scoring is boring. And let's start with the NBA. Let's start with the NBA because I'm telling you, we're putting some things together here to do a whole episode on the disaster that the NBA has, you know, at the end of the tunnel here. They think they're in great shape. The NBA is in really bad shape, in my opinion, really bad shape. And it absolutely has to do with the push for offense, offense, offense. I mean, just a quick look at last night's games. One game, one game in the NBA last night ended with both teams not scoring 100 points. Every other game, both teams scored 100 points, and one of the scores was 143 to 134, 127 to 118. These are regular scores now. And the proof is right there for you, the numbers. The ratings are down. The ratings are down. You, you've always heard the, the old saying, ah, I'll just watch the last two minutes, right? That's an old joke. That's an old joke. I, I'll, I'll just watch the last two minutes. Ah, if you want to see who wins, you tune in for the last two minutes. Well, guess what? The NBA is falling victim to exactly that now, and that's why their viewership is down. That's why the numbers are down. The NBA Finals this year, lowest rated NBA Finals ever. And don't give me it's because the teams that were in it, okay? Because you had LeBron James finally getting the Lakers to the Finals. It's COVID. None of us can go anywhere. It was sporgy sports all over TV. Nobody's watching it until the last two minutes probably. And you know why? Because the rule changes have taken the NBA to a place where 50-point games are a regular thing. And if you sit there to watch a whole game now, there's no defense. Defense has been eliminated from the game. Rebounding doesn't really matter anymore. Playing defense doesn't really matter anymore. Being able to pass and move the ball around doesn't really matter anymore. Because here's what happens with all the rule changes for offense. They bring it down the court. Your main guy gets the ball, LeBron, Durant, whoever. They get the ball, and it's iso ball. Harden, it's iso ball. He holds the ball out top. Everybody else runs to the corners of the floor because their man has to go with them. The man guarding him has to go with him because you can't play any zone defense anymore. It's got to be man. So that moves everybody out. Now the lane's wide open enough to land a helicopter in, and this guy drives to the hoop, which, by the way, there will be a foul call every single time. He will draw the foul, get a bucket, or step back and shoot it without even passing it. And that's what's going to happen. And furthermore, they're going to let him travel. They're going to let him carry the ball. They're going to let him do all these things that would award the defense the call because they don't want that call. They want the ball in the bucket. 
They want 143 to 134. Well, guess what you got? It's a score every time. Nobody plays any defense, and I'm going to watch one guy play one-on-one ISO drive, get a foul call. I'll tune in in the last two minutes to see who won because it's boring as hell. And I love basketball. You know, I played basketball in college. I love basketball, and it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I'll tune into a college game way quicker, way quicker, and watch a, a good college game before I'll watch an NBA game anymore because I get bored to death. I get bored to death. And when we get into the NBA episode, I'll get more into why I get bored to death But because there's really only two or three teams worth watching anymore because of super teams and blah, blah, blah. But that's not today's talk. Your game's being ruined by eliminating the defense. You tell me when's the last time a guy in the NBA got himself a big contract for being a great defender. I'll tell you the only one I'm aware of in my lifetime was probably Ben Wallace. And if you're outside Detroit and not a mega NBA fan, you probably wouldn't even have guessed that one. Probably wouldn't even have guessed that one. So are guys working on defense? Are guys trying to become better defenders? No, I'm trying to work on my one-on-one game and my ability to draw a foul and step back and shoot the ball because that's how I get a big contract. It's ruining your whole sport from top to bottom. And it's even worse in Major League Baseball. It's even worse in Major League Baseball. The trickle effect of the offensive rule changes rippling through baseball is even worse. It's even worse. And here's the quick rundown of it. We talked about it on the show before, and you know where I'm at on this thing. Uh, The way to get a big contract in baseball now is to be able to hit the home run because they have made it so that the home run is it in baseball. They've shrunk the strike zones. They've juiced up the baseballs. They want home runs, home runs, home runs, home runs, because they think that makes people watch the game. Offense, 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 home runs. So now that has trickled down into players are trying to do nothing but hit home runs now. You either strike out or you hit a home run because that's how you get a big contract. You don't get a monster contract anymore for hitting 300 and stealing 60 bases. Has anybody still 60 bases in, in 20 years? I don't even know. You know what I mean? No, I'd say they haven't. Your guy leads the league now with 30 stolen bases. Anyway, I'm saying that's how you get the big contract is by hitting the home run. So the whole game revolves around a home run now. Defense is eliminated. You tell me a guy that is a megastar in baseball for his defense. I I mean, I could wait all day. You're not going to tell me anybody. You're going to tell me guys like Mookie Betts that are great at the plate and good at defense. Mike Trout, great at the plate and good at defense. Yeah, there's some some five-tool players, four-tool players out there. I'm not arguing that there isn't. My point is... There's no guys like uh, Ozzie Smith's in the Hall of Fame just for playing defense. Back when you had to hit, move runners over, bunt, home run wasn't the only thing in the league. Ozzie Smith's in the Hall of Fame for, for playing defense. You know, like in the 90s when I was a young kid, the, the Jim Edmonds. Jim Edmonds, he was a good hitter. He was a good hitter, but Jim Edmonds was known for his defense. I mean, that guy was diving all over center field. Used to be able to throw guys out from the outfield. You see that going on anymore? Do they have any more right fielders? Right field used to be a thing. You got a guy with a cannon, you put him in right field so he could hose guys at the plate. And do you know? Do you see that going on anymore? I laugh sometimes at the inability of outfielders now to even throw a guy out trying to turn a single into a double. I mean, those throws look laughable. High schoolers make better throws. But the guy out there in right field hits 45 home runs, so he's got a multi-million dollar contract. And he can't throw anybody out, and who cares? You have eliminated defense in baseball, and have you watched a baseball game in the last bunch of years? It can be terribly boring because it's nothing but strikeouts or a home run. And home runs don't happen all that often because it still ain't easy to do. They're happening at a greater clip than they ever had tenfold. But my point is you'll sit there watching guys strike out for three innings, and then you'll see two or three home runs. 
And then you'll sit around watching guys strike out for three more innings. And then you'll see another home run or two. And then you'll see guys strike out the rest of the way. And it's boring as hell. And the proof is in the numbers. Major League Baseball is down 32%. The World Series was down over 32%. The World Series was worse. You had the Dodgers against the Devil Rays. Okay, Devil, you're going to argue, well, the Devil Rays aren't the Yankees. Okay, that's baseball, though. You know, you always get teams in there that it's not always the monster teams. This isn't basketball. Baseball is a sport where a team like Kansas City Royals can win a World Series a few years back. You know what I mean? You got the Dodgers in the World Series. It's COVID and your numbers are way down. Why? Because you're losing your fan base. Not to mention baseball has lost almost two generations of young fans that would grow up to watch the game because of their stranglehold on their content. And they don't let their players tweet out videos of themselves or they don't interact with the fans on social media and stuff like that. They, they own everything. They control everything. They control all their content. And they let these crazy cable deals like out here in L.A. go into effect where none of the Dodger games are even on TV. Because Major League Baseball and this cable company own them and you have to have a special channel to watch them. And you, you got to buy a package for this and a buy a package for that. You have kept your game off TV and off social media and young kids haven't seen it. You lost generations of fans. But that's a whole nother thing. Your ratings are down because you have changed the game. You have changed the game to a place where it's a home run or nothing. And that's boring. Nobody wants to see that. The defense is never even involved anymore in baseball. The only time you see anything out of the defense is when they shift to all to one side of the infield because the guy at the plate, guess what? He can't hit. He can only hit a home run or pull the ball in one direction as he's trying to hit a home run. So they move all the guys over to one side of the field like you're watching a senior league softball game and they get the guy out because he can't hit. Could you imagine somebody trying to do that back in the day to, to Tony Gwynn or Wade Boggs or any of these guys that were like hitters, Will Clark? Could you imagine? Could you imagine that? They would have laughed and went the other way and got an infield double. But that's what you've turned the game into. It's a clown show of who's going to hit the last home run. And your ratings are way down, and you can't figure out why. And it's because your fans aren't trying to watch that anymore. And the guy you were so concerned with trying to grab his eyes to get some new numbers got all excited about watching a bunch of home runs between Houston and L.A. in the World Series. And the home runs were going crazy in that one. And he got so excited to watch that. And then what happened next season? He didn't watch baseball anymore. He got caught up in the moment. Well, guess what? People are always going to get caught up in the moment in the playoffs and tune in and watch a game. If you got your base, you got your numbers. Let those eyes come and go because that's what they're going to do. Come and go. NFL? NFL's right behind these two. They're trying their hardest to head in that direction. And it's COVID and everybody's sitting home. And NFL regular season numbers this year, down 10%. Viewership, down 10%. And scoring, up higher than it's ever been in the history of the league. And I would tell you this, if you go back and look at all three of these sports, you will see that those two things are synonymous with each other across the board. Scoring through the roof, ratings falling. So who are these firms that are telling you or who's in your ear telling you that more offense is the way to get more viewers? It's not. NFL down 10% regular season games. NFL's king. NFL is king in America. And this push for crazy scoring offense that you think is exciting and everybody wants to see, nobody wants to turn on the NFL and watch a Big 12 football game. Because I tell you what, nobody wants to watch a Big 12 football game. 
Uh, people are bored as hell with that 56 to 51 shootouts. Nobody wants to see that. True football fans love football for the beauty of the battle that it is. They love all the intricacies of special teams, clock management, punting, pinning a, a team deep. Good defense is a major part of football. Fans, true fans, love the strategy of field position. It's everything. If we just wanted to see scoring, 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 the experiment that was the Arena Football League would be way more popular than it was. And it was popular. And for what it was, it was fun to watch because that's what that was. And it lasted for a while. And it lived, you know. And and they still play. But I don't see TV contracts for it anymore because people got bored with it. Think about this. Think about this. Football has changed the rules, especially in the passing game for wide receivers. They have changed them to such an extent that it is now a strategy of the offense to try and acquire a penalty flag as a specific play. Do you know what I mean? Like it's part of the offense now. If you've got a third and long to try to get a guy in some isolation coverage on one side of the field, throw him a jump ball and let him draw the flag. There's no intention in that play of beating the defense or him making that catch. The intention in that play is let's try and get the flag to get the first down. You have a problem when you're putting rules into your game that are now taking away from playing the game. It now becomes a strategy to not play the game, but to try and get a rule enacted to give you a gain. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's ridiculous. The defense is at a constant disadvantage in the NFL, and it's getting worse every year. Every year they change more and more and more to penalize the defense, award the offense, and put points on the board, and it's not a good strategy. I mean, when they decided to have replay for pass interference, what are we doing? I understand that call with the Rams and the Saints in the NFC Championship game was abysmal. It was terrible. It was terrible. We've seen bad calls before, guys. We don't need to turn the apple cart upside down over it. It happens. It's unfortunate, shitty, it's terrible. We don't need to then implement a rule where we can go back and look at a tape. A coach can challenge a play for pass interference. Now, I know that's not the case now, but they put this in play where a coach could throw a flag and we'll go look at the film and see if there was an infraction that somebody missed. Do you know we could do that in every play in football? We could do that in every single play in football. We're going to get back to that when we talk about the helmet-to-helmet collision, the fumble, the touchback, Kansas City-Cleveland in a few minutes here. Now, any of you that listen to the show regularly, you know I'm not a giant fan of soccer, and I'm not downplaying soccer in any way. I'm like, a lot of people love it. It's a European thing, or it's a whole world thing, actually, other than America. But I'm not a giant fan of it, okay? But I will say this. They understand their audience, and they understand their game. This is a game that people will invest hours into watching a match and it will end with nobody scoring. Zero to zero. And it is the most watched sport worldwide, okay? The powers that be that run these major leagues over in Europe, that run the Premier League, how come they haven't seen the need to sit down and create more scoring, more scoring, we need more offense, 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 more goals, more goals. They haven't because they understand that as boring as we may find it because we weren't raised on it, The intricacies of their game, the strategy of their game, the holding the ball in the open field, pulling back, not trying to take any chances, waiting till late, whatever. The strategies of their game, their fans love. 
and you may not understand it, and you may find it terribly boring to watch. I, I don't enjoy watching it. But the point is, they haven't gone out of their way to change the rules so that they can have seven to six soccer matches because that will get us more viewers. No, they haven't. They understand. Their fans love the game. They love the strategy. They love the aspects, and they play to their base. We're not changing it. Our people watch this. We're not changing it. And football needs to take a page out of that book. And let me tell you, football has a lot more to lose here than Major League Baseball or the NBA. And it's for one simple reason. In football, the defense is an entity in and of itself. What I mean is you have players that only play defense. Defense is its own part of the game. There's a whole separate group of players that just do that. Baseball and basketball, they're playing both ways. You follow me. So you have in your sport, NFL, superstars that are superstars because of defense. You have guys like Aaron Donald and and Jalen Ramsey and young stars like Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a safety. He's a star. You have guys in your sport that are stars that are selling jerseys, that people come specifically just to watch them play defense, and you're trying to eliminate that side of the ball. I don't understand that. Your sport has the beauty of separating offense from defense and awarding players who specialize in defense. That's what makes your sport great. No other sport has that. That's an individual thing to football, and you should hold that close to the vest and protect it, and you want to blow it out the door. There are guys in your sport that are rewarded specifically for defense, and let's get into how they're rewarded. They're rewarded monetarily, correct? Now, the more you change these rules for the offense and you take away from the defense, it's hurting these guys. It's going to hurt these guys' wallets, yes? Yes. Contracts will start to go down as defense is not valued anymore, as offense gets all the money on their side of the ball because they're the ones that are going to be doing all the scoring and they're the ones that are going to be the ones in all the highlights. And it's it's only natural that that would be the course of events. So if I was a defensive player, you know, if you're a defensive player in the NBA or Major League Baseball, you're not going to fight for, hey, man, we should be, you know, honoring defense and defense should get paid and stuff. You're going to be out of the league soon. So you can't focus on that. But in football, they're always going to have to have defenders. They can't change the game to be offense against offense. They're always going to have to have defenders. But now you're hurting these guys' money so bad, and their contracts are going to start going down over time, and the money's going to shift over the offense side of the ball. If I was one of these defenders in the Players Association, I'd be screaming about these rule changes every single year in the meetings because they're taking money off our side of the field and putting it on the other. I'd be furious about it. I'd be really furious about it. And that brings me to the play in Kansas City and Cleveland, okay? Now, you got Higgins diving for the goal line, and you got Sorensen diving to try to knock him out of bounds. And this is where I want to get into talking about the targeting. This is so gray in the NFL. There are plays all the time that they'll throw a targeting flag on. It's worse in college. I'm not going to get into that. I could throw up watching it called in college, and the kid's kicked out of the game. It's ridiculous. But in the NFL, there'll be targeting calls, and they'll go back and look at the replay, and you can clearly see... This guy's going in to make a tackle, and the ball carrier lowers his shoulder pad and helmets and completely changes his trajectory, changes his movement at a speed you can't even comprehend in real time, and then two helmets will collide, and we punish the defender for that. We punish the defender for that. Now, I think you'd agree with me that most times when you look at these replays, with common sense, I can look at just about every one of them and be like, that's not... 
a targeting call. He, he didn't intend to hit that guy in the helmet with his helmet. That They changed direction at the last second, and helmets collided. All kind of body parts are colliding. You know what I mean? And you can look at some, and you can say, oh, yeah, he's flying in there going right for the ear hole, man. Yeah, And you know. But because the rule is so gray, and they're trying to be so protective against the lawsuits of the past that are going to rear their ugly heads again, they're trying to prove that they're trying to stop this helmet to helmet, head injuries, and get out in front of the CTE and all this stuff, which is great. They should be trying to do. I'm not saying they shouldn't try to do that, but they're so gray with it that these referees don't know how to call it. They're not sure what's what. So they just err on the side of if helmets hit, it's a flag. Now, that brings me to my point. If helmets hit, it's a flag. And who's guilty? The defense. No matter what, it's the defense. Now, everybody watching that play this weekend, and I wanted the Browns to win. You know, I'm a Browns fan. I like the Browns. I wanted them to win, and that was a bummer play for me. But at the end of the day, everybody's arguing that Sorensen comes flying in helmet first and should be called for targeting. Now, I'll give you this. Did Sorensen launch himself? Absolutely. Did he launch himself helmet first? Absolutely. Well, you would say, well, Mikey, that's two things right there that that go into making a targeting call. You're right. It is. What did Higgins do? Higgins has the football. Higgins launches himself. Higgins launches himself helmet first. Both players are launching themselves helmet first into an unoccupied area of the field. It's not if Higgins is sitting there with the football and he's occupying a portion of the field and Sorensen comes into his portion of the field helmet first and drills him. That's a different thing. Nobody was occupying that portion of the field and both players are launching head first into unoccupied territory. And if the helmets hit, that's a penalty on the defense. Why? Why? Both players are doing the same thing. Now, here's why I think it should be easy and cut and dry. They should be able to review that play and make the rule easy to differentiate. And the, the referee should come back from under the hood and make very clear statements to us as to how this call should be made. If Higgins is running into the end zone, upright running into the end zone, the call should be this. The defender launches himself helmet first into a defenseless player's occupied portion of the field. That's targeting. Boom. Now, if the play transpires just as it did in the divisional playoff game where Higgins dives for the pylon head first and Sorensen dives for the pylon to try to stop him, he should come back from under the hood and the call should simply be this. Both players launch themselves helmet first in an attempt to gain leverage into an unoccupied portion of the field. Therefore, there is no helmet to helmet or targeting call. The ruling on the field of a fumble stands, and it is a touchback. It will be Kansas City's ball at the 20-yard line, first and 10. And that should be the call. It should be cut and dry. And I don't care about the touchback, man. I'm not going to tear this touchback rule apart. Because you know what? It's the one and only rule left that helps the damn defense. I mean, if you're getting into the end zone, you better hold on to the ball. And if you can't, and a defender drills you and the ball comes loose and the fumble goes out of the end zone, well, then the defense should be rewarded for that. Uh, They give them nothing. There's nothing to reward the defense anymore. Let them have this one. And that's the way it should be. Hold on to the football. But I think I speak for football fans everywhere when I say we love the defensive aspect of the game. We love the field position battles. We love a good football game. 20-17, to 23-20. These are good football games. That's fun to watch. None of us want to get together and watch 48 to 45 and whoever had the ball last wins so this objective of the league to go all offense and try and make sure that every game uh, has an over under creeping near 80 
you're not doing yourself any favors, man. You're making the product hard to watch. So knock it off, dial it back, peel some of this stuff back, and for God's sakes, clean up the targeting and let's get it fixed to the point where when a defender's making a tackle and a running back lowers his head into the tackle, it's not helmet to helmet. That's not targeting. When an offensive player launches himself and you launch yourself and you guys collide helmets, it's not a defensive penalty. You got to start looking at that on the replay. When the, when the guy on offense, his helmet changes direction at the very last second because he's trying to cut or lower his head for leverage and you hit him, you can't be penalized for that. Fix it. And now it's time to remind everyone, AFC, NFC championship games coming up this weekend. And if you have not stocked up the cabinet with some better made potato chips, uh, do it. Do yourselves a favor. Nothing better than some good, salty, better made snacks and maybe a nice cold Fago. Get yourself a Fago Red Pop, Fago Rock and Rye, something to enjoy the game. But I myself know that I will be drinking the official beer of the DWMOD podcast. And that's Old English 800. Mix it with a good splash of orange juice, have yourself a brass monkey. Tell the wife the expensive mimosas are no longer necessary. She'll love them. You'll love them. Get some. Now, if you've been following us on the Twitter and listening to the show, you know we've been doing our NFL playoffs challenge, uh, myself, Andy St. Clair, and Anthony Finelli. We've been putting in our picks every week against the spread and the over-under for every single game. If you pick the winner outright, you're getting a point. If you pick the winner against the spread, you're getting two points. And if you get the over-under, you're getting three points. So a perfect hit on a game will get you six points. And that's exactly what Anthony Finelli did last week uh, more than a couple of times. Old Biff from Back to the Future with his sports book nailed so many of them. He pulled way out in front, but then it tightened up a little bit uh, after the last game last weekend. So here's where we sit. Anthony Finelli's in first place with 32 total points. Andy St. Clair in second with 29. And the DWMOD pod, me, I'm making those picks, is 28 points. So one point behind Andy. Andy sits three points behind Anthony with two games this weekend. Should be exciting. And the leader in our listeners pool is Jeff Pop. He scored a perfect hit last week, a six on one game. He's got a total of nine points. Now don't laugh. He's only got nine points because he jumped into this thing late. Which brings me to my point. It's not too late for any of you guys. Jump on the Twitter. Tell us who you think is going to win the game. Let's say the Kansas City-Buffalo game. All you got to do is tweet the show. Kansas City at Buffalo. Give me Buffalo plus the points. Give me Buffalo to win the game, and I'll take the under. Boom. That's all you got to do is tweet us. We'll keep track of the score, and we're going to have a little swag for whoever uh, wins that listener's pool. But now it's time for this week's picks, starting with... The NFC Championship game. It's TB12 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading up the Lambo at Green Bay. Green Bay's laying three. The over-under is 51 in this one. Let's jump in with our leader, Anthony Finelli, sitting in first place, 32 points. How you feeling right now, buddy? How you feeling? Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty much on fire last week. I'm not going to lie. The only game I missed on was the Browns game, but I still had the Browns plus 10. So they covered. I just missed on the overall score as well as who would actually win the game. However, I voted that game like a fan. So, you know, take that one lightly. Anyways, I'm back with the conference championship picks for this weekend. Here we go. I got Green Bay uh, minus three. And I'm going to take the under total score there. And Green Bay 27, Tampa Bay 21. (laughs) 
Uh, yes. Yes, you were on fire last week. So take all those grains of salt you were talking about and throw them out the window. So you take the Packers. You're taking the three points. Uh, you think it's going to be the under. You're taking the younger man, the 37-year-old quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, this weekend. Andy St. Clair, sitting tight in second place. Still in this thing, man. You could catch him on one game this weekend. So welcome back to the show, buddy. Who you got? All right, we're back. Green Bay, Tampa Bay. You know, I think when you're going to bet this game, um, I think you're going to want to, normally, you're going to want to, I'd like to say, bet ugly. So you're going to take teams you don't want to take, but I'm not going to do that here. I'm going to uh, take the Packers. I just, I I think the Packers can get some stops. I think Green Bay can score. And, uh, you know, that Tampa game, they really scored off turnovers. And I don't know if Green Bay is going to do that. So give me Green Bay minus three, Green Bay to win, and give me the under. Okay, I hear you guys. Pack, cover, under. Pack, cover, under. And why not? The game's at Lambeau. The game's up at Green Bay. This is Rodgers' fifth appearance in the conference championship game. It's Brady's 14th appearance in the conference championship game. Rodgers 1-4. Been to the Super Bowl once. 2010. Won that Super Bowl. He goes back this year. That's 10 years in between Super Bowls. That's great. Brady's 9-4 and four in these conference championship games, and he's won a bunch of Super Bowls. Rodgers and the Packers' offense has been red hot. But I'm going to tell you this. A vast majority of their big passing plays coming off of that play action. And the Buccaneers had the best run defense in the league. And they're also second most in quarterback hits. These teams met earlier in the year. Buccaneers took it 38-10 to down in Tampa Bay. They sacked Rodgers four times and picked him off twice. He only threw five interceptions all year, two of them against the Buccaneers. Going to be some tough sledding for the Packers, and if they can't get it going, that blitz game from the Buccaneers is going to put Rodgers in some trouble. I know that seems crazy. He's Rodgers. He don't get in trouble. But if they do, and they can pressure him, it could be another frustrating game for him against the Buccaneers' defense. They were all over Breeze last week, made him look terrible, sacked him, pressured him, shut down the run. They did it all. And I'm going to tell you what, fellas, I think it's going to be more of the same this week in a close one. But a pair of Central Michigan Chippewas will make big plays down the stretch. Sean Murphy Bunting, Antonio Brown will turn this thing around in the fourth quarter. Just when Aaron Rodgers thought he was done with that reoccurring nightmare of Indomitian Sioux in Detroit, guess who's back? Just don't step on him this time, buddy. He'll get the call at Lambeau. But blast the cannons. Give me the TB12ers. Give me the three points. Give me the under. Tampa Bay, 27. Green Bay, 23. All right, let's talk AFC Championship. Arrowhead, the Chiefs, the Bills, and I personally think this one is going to be a dandy. Two future stars. I mean, they're both already stars, but they're going to be stars for a long time. It looks like Patrick Mahomes will play. The Chiefs are laying three points. The over-under is 53-and-a-half. Anthony, can the Bills win this game? Here we go. I got Buffalo plus three, and I'm taking the over. At the final score prediction, Buffalo 31, KC 25, regardless of who starts. I know, gutsy. Looking at a Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl, based on what I'm looking at right here. Well, when you're hot, that's what you do, man. You go with your gut. You get the old salt lick out, and you go with your gut. And your gut's got you in first place right now, buddy. But breathing down your neck, Mr. Missouri himself, the original Kansas City Chiefs fan. He's a Mahomie all day. Andy St. Clair, what say you? The Kansas City Chiefs. Um, look, Mahomes is going to play. We know he's going to play Sunday night. We know he's going to play Wednesday. We know he's going to play Thursday. We know he's going to play Friday. He's going to play. Um, you know, look, here's what I think is going to happen. Somebody's going to win this game, and I think it's going to be by three. I think both offenses 
are going to be really good. Um, but I also think, I think it's going to be who runs the ball a little better. It's going to decide this game. So I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills plus three. I'm going to take the under. And I am going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to win, of course. So I, I think somebody's going to win by one or two points. It's going to be crazy. Um, I guess I'm, I'm, I should, if you're going to go under, you got to take the Bills. And that's what I'm going to do in the points. So Bills, under. But I'm still going to take the Chiefs to win. Somehow they find a way to get it done. Let's go Chiefs. Oh, I got to cover my paper over here. Eyes on your own test, sir. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Now we're heading to the principal's office because we got the exact same answers on the test. We've been caught cheating. But that's how it goes sometimes because it's disagree with me or don't. And Andy, I don't. I'm right with you. Look, these two teams met earlier this year. And crazy enough, they played the same week the Buccaneers played the Packers. Week six. And I'll tell you, the Chiefs took that one 26-17. And Allen did not look good. But he's come a long way since then. And I'll tell you what, he's got my vote for MVP. And he's got the Bills in the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1993. Jim Kelly and the gang. Bills Mafia's going crazy. They're crashing through tables. They're partying in a parking lot. They're ready to roll on this. And nobody in Buffalo is more ready to go than that defense. Boy, did they show up last week and smack Baltimore right in the mouth. But packing the box full of hats to confuse Lamar Jackson and shut him down from running the football is a whole different story than coming after Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think this concussion protocol thing is going to slow him down one bit. Because I'll tell you what, we all watched a replay. Didn't look like he took a shot to the head at all. Didn't look like his head even hit the ground at all. Looked more like he got choked out for a second and was just lightheaded. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I expect this one to be a dandy. This is going to be a barn burner. But down the stretch... It's Mahomes and his homies, Kelsey and Hill. They're going to be too much. They're going to take it home right at the end of the game because if he's got the ball and the clock's going to run out, you're going to lose. Chiefs have been hurting Buffalo since the beginning of time, and they're living off the herd. They'll eat well at twilight tonight. Kansas City 27, Buffalo 26. That's right. I'm taking Buffalo in the points, but Kansas City to win the game. And unlike Andy, I'm going to take the over here. And we're setting up for a poetic changing of the guard. Mahomes beats Brady in the Super Bowl. Brady passes the torch to Mahomes, and we see Mahomes and the Chiefs go on a run just like the Patriots did the last decade and a half. And Andy, I agree with you. I give it about one more season before everybody starts hating the Chiefs. Well, there you have it. There's our picks, man. I want to thank you guys for being here, and uh, we'll see you next week for the Super Bowl predictions. It could all come down to the Super Bowl in this contest. But before we get out of here, I just really quickly want to address the press conference for Dan Campbell, the new uh, head coach of the Detroit Lions. Um, Loved it, my man. That's exactly what needed to be said. Somebody needed to get up there and say, no more coach speak. You fans have been battered. You've been bruised. You don't want to hear this bullshit no more. And I'm not going to try to hand you no bullshit. And we're going to change the culture around here. And we're going to start being tough, black and blue, and kicking people in the teeth. I mean, he said something like, and if somebody runs us over in the process, we'll bite off their kneecap. I mean, that that's how you address Detroit, man. Well done. Well said. Knew what to say. Knew how to handle himself. I'm slightly excited about it. You got me. I'm in. But take that with a grain of salt because Lion fans know what it's like to drink the Kool-Aid. It ain't too hard to get us in. But I do like what the guy had to say. It was exciting. Also like to bid farewell to Philip Rivers, announced his retirement, uh, and I'm hearing ridiculousness all over the place. Like there's a debate 
is he a Hall of Famer or not? Stop saying guys can't go to the Hall of Fame if they didn't win the Super Bowl. Just stop saying that. The guy's fifth all-time in almost every category passing the football. He's had a fantastic career. He's been phenomenal. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. Guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. The guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Hands down. Leave it alone. Phillip Rivers, thank you for the memories. Great career. Been fun watching you, man. And enjoy retirement because that's a lot of kids, bro. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time.